Hello everyone, this is your host KK. I'm super excited to let you know that I've launched my first book called Why Me First. It's available on Amazon.com. I'm putting the link in the show notes. Click the link, grab your copy today. There is a free gift for everyone inside the book. May I also request you to please leave me a review. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. Imagine celebrating your success going on holidays, having bonfire on the beach with your loved ones. Unfortunately, most entrepreneurs experience burnout within the first year. But what is it that makes others succeed? I'm your host, Tajal Khurana. Call me KK. Join me as we have fireside chats with experts who have insider secrets around how to rest, rejuvenate, recharge and be Bonfire Entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Be Bonfire Entrepreneurs with your host Kajal Khurana. You can call me KK. Our guest today is a British author, piano player, international racing driver and business coach. Since growing a business to eight figures and exiting, he has been supporting coaches, trainers, therapists, and consultants who are serious about building their thriving practice, changing the world, and enjoying a life of effortless abundance. His client attraction blueprint program is filled with eager students every month and is creating massive impact. And he is Johnny Cooper. So welcome, Johnny. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. It's my pleasure. So Johnny, please tell our listeners, how did you get to this point in your career? I mean, you had eight-figure business and you exited it. Yeah, that was quite a journey, actually. I always say at the turn of the century, just to kind of add a sort of whimsical air to it, but it was 1995 when we started uh, a financial consultancy, just me and another chap. And we pushed hard for eight years and we, we built it up. And by 2003, we had 200 staff around the UK. We had eight offices and 10 million turnover in 2003. That's pounds sterling. So if, you, if you're listening in dollars, it's more than $10 million. And I don't know how much it is. We took an offer from a public company. Um, there was a lot of consolidation going on in the financial industry around about that time. And um, a bigger company found us and made us an offer that we, that we didn't refuse. So, so we sold out. And I just became an accidental coach, I suppose, because a few of the former clients from that business were asking me to help them with their businesses, you know, give them business advice, which I, I got dragged into kind of growth strategies and sales and marketing, HR, recruitment, funding, you know, raised a few million quid for, for businesses. Qu- quids are pounds, by the way, if you, you're Americans. <laughs> <laughs> and by 2015, I, I, I built quite a sizable practice again with you know, quite a few dozen clients. But because I was a generalist, you know, a general business coach, I just had a kind of rag bag of clients. Most of them pay me too little and expecting too much, you know. So um, <laughs> I decided to specialize. And I started firing clients, just thinking, well, you know, I've got to find my niche. And, you know, the niche word is kind of the buzzword around coaching and, and therapy and training and consultancy these days. You know, you've right. got to find your niche, everyone says. And, and for good reason. You know, uh, if you try and appeal to everyone, you'll appeal to no one. I worked for, for more than a decade, as I've said, you know, working with a, 
a wide spread of different clients on different kind of things. And, you know, the, the, the other kicker with that is you, you don't get paid as much as a generalist. Right. So, Johnny, um, like you, you yeah, also like piano playing. You are a piano player. You are an international racing driver. So what is your favorite part uh, of all of your businesses, you know, or your interest, I would say? What do you really enjoy the most? Coaching well, or I, I, coaching? I, I actually enjoy it all. And, and becoming a specialist and working with coaches and therapists specifically to help them with organic client attraction, it just seems like I've, I've come home, you know, I've, I've found my tribe, found my people, found my playground, if you like. So I love that. I mean, every day I leave out of bed, you know, um, thanking the universe for, for dropping such a nice business into my, into my lap. You know, I've been doing this as Johnny hates marketing for the last three years, basically. So that's great. But yeah, I mean, you, you, you're right. I mean, what's not to love about playing the piano? I have, I, have a, I have a grand piano in my lounge and every day I'll sit down and play something. And sometimes I don't do it consciously. I mean, playing piano like other arts and crafts, I guess, is something that when you understand the fundamentals of it, the basics, you know, the techniques, then you can just go into an almost meditative state while you're doing it. And I've, I've heard people say they do this while they're painting as well. You know? mm. They'll kind of wake up and wonder where the painting came from. You know? mm. um, so I'm a bit like that with the piano. It, it is very, very spiritual. And I think a lot of the stuff that comes from my fingers ultimately comes from my heart. You know, I just play something that feels nice and sounds nice. So that's great. Driving racing cars is, is another level, I think, of, of spiritual awareness and, you know, hooking you with a great cerebral thrill, you know, moving through the air very quickly is, is thrilling. Of course, <laughs> um, being in control of a kind of snarling beast, you know, that could, that's trying to kill you every time you turn the steering wheel, you know, rewarding on, on a deep level too. You know, I've heard some of the great champions, you, you may have heard of drivers like Michael Schumacher and and Senna from Brazil, you know, he was particularly spiritual. And, and he just described how he went into a kind of deep meditative state when he was racing. And in his best work, you know, his fastest laps, his greatest victories came when he was almost in another kind of place. You know? So I think, what, you know, what, what links good business with an art like music and, and, and a kind of craft and a, and a profession like, like driving racing cars is that, you know, when you, when you get to a level where you can, unconsciously be competent you, know, you can get to unconscious competence where you're not thinking about every little nut and bolt of what you're doing it's a wonderful thing isn't it and you, and you get deep enjoyment once you get to that point you, you can be believe it or not you can be in a trance-like state when you're driving a racing car it's not <laughs> I not, can't believe it. I've never tried it, it. it <laughs> but I trust yeah. you. <laughs> well, I mean, the, 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 the common the common perception I think when you see people driving quickly, is that they're in a state of panic. You know, the adrenaline is cursing through their veins and they're, they're sweating. They're on the edge of their capability. Well, those kind of people don't win very much and they, and they crash right. quite a lot. Right. Um, but when you get to the point where you're kind of sanguine with your abilities, it's called unconscious competence, isn't it? Mm. The four levels of competence. You, you start off by being unconsciously incompetent where you, you don't know how much you don't know. Right. And then you rise to a state of conscious incompetence where you realize how little you actually know. You then transition through a phase of, of conscious competence where you're kind of okay, but you're very aware of what you're doing. The top state, the kind of nirvana, if you like, 
yeah. uh, unconscious competence where you can do it without thinking about it. That applies to everything, doesn't it? I guess yoga and all that. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I'm speechless right now because I went into that oh, <laughs> nirvana <laughs> state for a few seconds. But Johnny, I mean, your name is also JC, which is Jesus Christ as well. Oh, come on. Don't do that. Don't do that to me, please. <laughs> and, you know, you sound and I mean, I've been seeing your videos for quite a while now. You seem very oh, calm. You very calm person, right? Your persona is very calm. So you have this personality of being so calm and then you beautifully narrated, uh, you know, about your likes towards piano playing, how therapeutic it is and driving racing cars and all these things. But then why did you choose the name Johnny Hates Marketing? I know you're the founder of Johnny Hates Marketing. Why didn't you choose Johnny Loves Marketing? <laughs> well, that, 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 that wouldn't be as, as eye-catching. It wouldn't be as intriguing, would it? I'll tell you why, why, why I like the name first, and I'll tell you where it came from afterwards. What, why I love it is that my tribe, who are coaches and therapists, they're incredibly talented and skilled. You know, I have people who can cure a client from a lifelong allergy within 20 seconds, for example. Mm -hmm. I know someone who's done that. I have people who literally talk people down from, from the ledge. You know, they stop people killing themselves with NLP and hypnotherapy. I know people who stop lifelong addictions, you know, to drugs and alcohol and turn people's lives around. So my tribe are incredibly talented. But what they're universally not so good at is telling the world about that. Right. You know, promoting themselves, creating a personal brand. I can marketing. relate to it. Yeah. So all these folks hate marketing. So I, I get... I get inbox messages every single day from people going, great name, I hate marketing too. Oh, so, that's what, okay. so that's why it works, isn't it? That's why it works on, on that level. I'll tell you where it came from. I was on a podcast with, with a Canadian presenter, a really cool guy. And we were talking about rubbish marketing ideas. You know, um, people that we'd come across that we didn't resonate with and we didn't believe them because they were making crazy promises, you know, mm. seven figures in seven weeks and all that right. kind of stuff you know you've seen it you know these are generally facebook ads on so we, we were talking about that and, and and the host said to me i don't think you really like marketing do you i said well i don't like that kind of marketing no. and he, he said spoiler alert johnny hates marketing oh, okay. and i just went say that again that sounds really good because i had a rubbish name for my business at the time i won't tell you what it was because it's embarrassing but it was a really weak ineffectual name right really a middle of the road name that meant nothing to anyone so I did, what i decided to do after that just podcast, share it I, you want to know yeah, it just, it just you, you want me to tell you yes please <laughs> all right well i i was really proud of it you know what okay okay for for a couple of years i was really proud of this name because i came up with it i got the dot com and everything else so i called my business the success party oh. the success party right <laughs> Because I thought, well, everyone wants to be successful. And you know what? Everyone likes to go to a party. So calling it the success party, come on down, enjoy the party. Nobody agreed. Mm. Everybody else thought it was rubbish. So I was kind of open to, to rebranding by this point. And, uh, and so I did. So within three weeks after this revelatory podcast, you know, I, I'd rebranded everything. So the Facebook group is now called Johnny X Marketing. I've written a book called Johnny X Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just showing KK the book here for you <laughs> listeners, by the way. And I've got johnnyxmarketing.com because obviously nobody else had got that. It's such a silly name. 
but you know, it, it just feels to me like a mission now, you know, I hate marketing and I'm gathering around me a tribe of people who also hate marketing as well and would like to find some shortcuts, you know, some easy ways to do it. So, you know, my whole bag now is about effortless marketing, you know, let's shortcut it. Let's find easier ways to do it. Let's not even call it marketing if you don't want to. Let's just right. call it starting a conversation with someone who looks like your next ideal client. Or building so connections, networking. Yeah. <laughs> connections, conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't particularly like networking as such. I, I think networking is widely misunderstood. And if you, if you show up at a networking meeting and you just swap a business card with somebody else who wants to sell you something as well, Right. then you're kind of not going to get anywhere, are you? I mean, I'm in favor of creating my own tribe of people who, who get me and, and want to know what I know. Networking meetings are often just a room full of people trying to sell each other things, you know. Right. And, and that's, sure. not, that's not my bad way. So I don't do a lot of networking. But yeah, yeah it, interesting, isn't it? I mean, these origin stories, you know, where it came from. Amazing. I, I, I just don't know. It could have been, I could have not shown up on that podcast and... Johnny Hayes marketing wouldn't exist, you know, so. The universe they say everything for a reason to so make that happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's amazing. And you're so authentic and you are like so cool about it, you know. And I really like that you shared your original business name, The Success Party. And I can relate to it because most of the people think that if you like it, your audience will also like it. But it's yeah. actually not that way, right? Especially well, I, when you're I had, in the business. I had, done no market, I had done no market research. And it was um, exactly what, what you say. You know, it was a name that I liked. Mm. And, and it's even worse than that. I mean, the, the research that I did was in a vacuum. You know, all I did was I went to GoDaddy, started <laughs> typing in domain names to see what was available. And, you know, if that's not the worst way to brand your business, I, I don't know what it is, you know. <laughs> but, you know, life's a journey, isn't it? And you become more aware. Right. Um, I, I, I've understood from listening to some, some of the great coaches and mentors around the world that you should always be asking your audience what they want from you, mm. you know. Mm. You should always be asking those great deep questions. Like, you know, what do you want from me today? And when they join your group, ask them why they joined your group. When they joined your program, be bold and say, why did you join this program? This intelligence, this information that you get back from your clients all the time is just so valuable. And it means that you're going to keep on track. You're going to keep on serving the tribe that's around you and getting deeper and deeper into into what they they need and want. And and that's the way to build a thriving practice in our business, you know. I think it's so interesting. The information you're sharing right now is like amazing because most of the people do it the other way around. Like I was saying, A, they want to keep a name which they want, they like, which resonates with them. And then second, they are not very flexible or open to change like you did. Okay, you know, maybe now I should do something different, bold. And third thing, people don't ask what their audience or why their audience are with them they just want to serve with the products or Mm. services they have or they think might work for the audience right yeah well you you can't make stuff up you know that's the thing making stuff up in a vacuum is 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 the case of death you know and you you then try and launch it and people go what is that you know um and and it, it breaks my heart really in my community i see so many people when we approach them and say, hey, you know, how's it going? 
they say, oh, great, I'm just, just finishing my program off. In another couple of weeks, I have this great program I'm going to launch. Oh, what is it? What's it about? Who's it for? And they go, well, anybody, really. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, if your, if your client avatar definition starts with anybody, anybody who, then you're already on the wrong track, aren't you? Right. You know, you need to understand who, who your client is very deeply. And, you know, one of the easiest ways to find a client avatar for your business, if you've been doing it for a while and if you've served, you know, even a handful of clients, it's just to look back over your kind of back catalogue. And say, well, who did I most enjoy working with? You know, who got the biggest impact from working with me? Who could afford to pay me easily? Right. Yeah? And then see if you can clone that person. You know, pick a particular client. See if you can look at the characteristics. Where do they hang out? Where do people like them hang out? What do they do for a living? You know, can we find more people who do the same thing for a living? Maybe look at them as well. But you have to build a tribe. You know, you have to decide who it is that you serve. You have to work out, basically, how finely meshed you can make your filter. You know, this kitchen, what are they called? Those sieves you have mm. in the kitchen? Yeah, sieve. And some of them have got broad, big holes in them. Some of them have mm. got tiny holes in them. Mm-hmm. Think of a filter with the smallest holes you possibly can and filter the world through that so that only a few people drop through. Because if you can eliminate 99.999% of the world, then it's so easy to focus on what's left, isn't it? Just those few people. If I you really love that analogy. Only... I really love that analogy. You like that? Amazing. If you, if you can, I'm full of this stuff. I am. We could go on all day. Yeah, you... I know. <laughs> okay, tell us what were your struggles or learnings, you know? You have been in the business for so long. I'm sure you two had your own challenges. Very much so, yeah. I, I think we've already touched on it, actually. That the stuff that held me back for so many years was believing my own stories, you know? believe in my own ideas about things and thinking that I knew best and blaming the clients when things went wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is fairly recent for me. I mean, by, by 2015, I, I had a portfolio of, I call it a rag bag, you know, a jumble <laughs> sale of business clients. Some of them pay me. Okay. Some not so much, but everything was, was 80, 20. I don't know if you've come across this 80, 20 yeah, principle. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did. You know, I read it in a book. Um, yeah, well, 20% of my clients were taking up 80% of my time. Mm. 20% of my clients were giving me 80% of the headaches. Mm. Yeah, And I just realized that what I was doing wrong was I was taking on anybody who would have me. I was believing that I could be all things to all men, you know. Mm-hmm. We say jack of all trades, you know, master of none. Um, and the net result of that is that I was getting paid too little. I was working too hard. Mm-hmm. I was caring too much about clients who didn't care about me at all mm-hmm. and i was just getting dragged into you know impossible client engagements if you like so clearing all that out you know and getting to the point of clarity where you say well who is my tribe who do i really enjoy working with i decided that, that was other coaches and therapists and consultants who were struggling like i was to find a mm-hmm. niche you know to find an ideal client so i did the internal work first um, between 2015 and 2017, I spent probably twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars on my own mentoring and coaching wow. and learning. And I emerged at the other side with a clear vision of what it takes to succeed in our profession, and that's what I show people now. So I, I think the, the answer to your question, you know, the, the biggest challenge was just getting out of my own way and going, "Hang on, 
maybe there are people around the world who know more about this than I do. Mm -hmm. And I, I spent uh, some time paying them to teach me what they knew. And, right. you know, it, isn't that such a great lesson? You know, anybody, I think, where they are today, if you want to get further ahead, you know, you want to grow either in life or in business, you've got to look for the people who are already living the life that you want. So true. And only engage those people. Don't spend time engaging snake oil salespeople, you know, people who are just <laughs> spinning a story because they just read it in a book. Right. You know, find the people who are actually living the life that you want to live and say, hey, Joe, how are you doing that? How are you doing that? Show me how you're doing that. Mm. That's the way to pick, uh, I think, a coach or a mentor. Mm. And, and that's what I hope my 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 tribe are doing now because I, I demonstrate on a daily basis to the coaches and therapists around me that I don't know, I'm probably living the life that they want to live in a couple of years. You know? And it, it's, it's that knowledge gap that people pay for. You know, when, when we're a, when we're a trainer, whether it's your husband is showing people yoga or, you know, business coach or life coaches, people will engage you because they see that, you know, something that they don't. Right. And that, that knowledge gap, between what you know and what they know is what you get paid for. Right. And the wider that knowledge gap and the deeper that knowledge gap, the more they'll, more they'll pay you. It's as simple as that. Right. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally relate to what you're saying, but there are so many shiny object syndromes out there. <laughs> I think we almost talk about shiny object syndromes in all our episodes. This has become one uh, of the key questions, I think. So it's a, it's a funny thing. Some people call it the squirrel syndrome. Have you ever heard that yeah, expression? No, I no. Well, you, you'd be, um, I, I, I don't know what it was, whether it was a movie or something. Somebody was talking to somebody in a room about accusing them of not being able to focus and concentrate. <laughs> and the guy said, what do you mean? Oh, look, a squirrel. Right. And suddenly a squirrel <laughs> ran past the window and got their attention. It's a kind of shiny squirrel or a shiny object. Yeah. But I interestingly read it uh, somewhere yesterday, maybe on someone's wall on Facebook, that be your own shiny object syndrome. And I was like, wow. This is really nice. Oh, yeah. Be your own. So that means focus on yourself. You know? Be distracted by yourself. Yeah, if, if exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like so mm. yesterday I read it and I was like, it stuck with me and I really liked it. You know? yeah, it's pretty good. Eh? Yeah. I don't know whether you could hear me pouring water on the podcast. Just adds a bit of authenticity there. <laughs> Drinking lots of water. I mean. <laughs> Keeping yourself hydrated. So Johnny, uh, please tell us, I'm sure you have challenges with your um, tribe as well. I'm sure you might have students or entrepreneurs who don't really get the concept of what you're trying to teach them. Do you have? Yeah, we, we, with this? some people, the force is strong. If, if we could say it nicely as this in Star Wars. But the force is strong, the force not to change. Um, and the, the biggest fear, I think, is, is not a fear of failure, but it's a fear of success. And if you've been around as a coach or therapist for quite some years and you, you've become embedded in a certain level of impact, a certain level of earning, a certain level of financial rewards, it becomes quite difficult to imagine any, any life any different. Mm. So that when I put to people who are earning you know, a thousand pounds a month, a thousand dollars a month, for example. And I say, look, you know, with your skills and knowledge and experience, very, very simply, you're, you're, you're a few footsteps away from earning four or five grand a month. Mm -hmm. 
And that scares them to death. They go, shit. Because they, they think, what have I got to do to get there? Maybe I've got to give more than I'm prepared to give. You know? and, and fear of success is a, is a real thing. You know, it's a real thing. You know, if I'm successful, how will my life change? How will I be different? Maybe I won't be such a nice person when I'm earning five grand a month. There's <laughs> all these kind of crazy yeah. mind blocks. Yeah. Um, it's called Mind Trash. A, a very good friend of mine, a, a coach called Alexia Leachman. She's in France, but she's British. She has a whole program called Mind Trash. Mm-hmm. And it's about clearing these okay. kind of crazy thoughts that people have, you know. Maybe my life will be bad if I earn five grand a month. A lot of it comes from childhood, doesn't it? Where, yeah. where, where you know, um, you were taught phrases. Money is like bad. Dirty. Yeah. You, you were taught phrases like dirty money, weren't you? Mm, right. You know, filthy lucre. And your parents might have said, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. Mm. Actually, you know, you know how silly that phrase is? Money is trees. Money's right. made of trees. <laughs> really? Of, Show me how. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and not only does money grow on trees. It <laughs> Interesting. Amazing. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. So I, think, I think that's the biggest challenge you have is getting, getting people. And this is not universal, but a good proportion yeah. of coaches and therapists don't believe they can be any more successful than they are. Mm. And getting them to believe that, getting them to understand that actually, you can keep on doing most of what you're doing. We've just got to tweak it a little bit. There's just a few key things that you need to do a little bit different, a little bit better. And and, and life will change forever. You know? How easy or difficult did you find to convince them to accept? Well, it varies. As I say, you know, some people are already there. Some people say, right, I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah. How do we do it? How do we work together? Okay. Some people go, oh. Okay. So it, it, there are, everyone's on a spectrum. You know, you know it, it's the answer to that old coachy question. You know, are you, are you ready to get started? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to give whatever it will take to get to the next level? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I always think there's, there's two parts to ambition, isn't there? People say, I'd love, to, I'd love to earn five grand a month. I'd love to have a six-figure business. But then when you ask them the question, what are you prepared to give to get there? The answers are not so good, mm-hmm. you know, not so positive. Um, so I think there's two parts to it. You've got to work out where you want to get to, and then you've got to work out what you're prepared to give to get there as well. Right. And if the answer is, well, I'm not prepared to do any more than I'm doing now, you know, I've got to fit it in around the kids. I've got to fit it in around my other part-time job. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I'm not deriding that. That's a lifestyle. But if, you, if you're actually not prepared to take a step and take some action and put a bit more time and energy into it, then nothing's going to change, is it? Absolutely. So I think that's probably, those are the people on the spectrum who actually won't become successful, sadly, because they're not prepared to give what it takes to get them. Right. It's a simple equation, isn't it? You know, input and output. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to translate it, but in uh, Indian um, culture, we say the more sugar you put in, yeah, so I can translate it. The more <laughs> sugar you put in, the the sweeter the dessert is going to get, you know, like so, <laughs> if you want more sweetness in life, then you need to add on sweetness. You know? If yeah. you want well, to have how, how, how big how bank balance, it? sorry. No, no, go on. I, I love that. So something else just occurred to me, actually, which is a, ver- a very Indian version of that metaphor. How about saying the more pepper you put in, the more spicy your life will be? Yeah, but not everybody likes spices, you see. <laughs> because some, some Indians, most of the Indians have sweet tooth. And Indians oh, really? love eating desserts after 
the traditional Indian desserts, which are very, right. very sweet. So, you know, so the more sweet sweetness you want, the more sugar you need to add. So, yeah, probably uh, spiciness is more towards the Western side. I would say it's just a cultural right. difference. <laughs> I, I, I heard that actually. So some, of these, some of these Indian um, curries I heard were entirely invented in the West. Um, th- th- there's a dish called the Balti dish, Balti, B-A-L-T-I. And that's completely, yeah, KK's shaking her head here just for the <laughs> listeners. Um, and, and, and that was actually invented near to where I live, seven miles away. There's a big city in England called Birmingham. Uh-huh, Birmingham is a huge Asian community, huge Indian community. And they invented the Balti dish. And Balti is made in a oh, clay oven. Oh, Balti. Balti. Balti, I got it now. Balti, okay. All right, there you go. Sorry, my terrible pronunciation. <laughs> okay. It's made in a clay oven in a, in a, in a metal dish. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was invented in Ladywood Road in, in Birmingham. Oh, even so butter chicken nothing. was invented in so, UK. Yeah. Tandoori chicken was yeah. invented in UK. There are a lot was of it, dishes. Was that tandoori? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. There are a lot of dishes which were invented or renamed or had a fusion version to it in UK. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're talking I, I, about I food now on the I, podcast. <laughs> I think I might be disappointed with a trip to India. I don't think my favorite Indian dishes would be there probably. <laughs> Depends which city you go in. It's a big, big country. So. Oh, yeah. We'll leave this for the next podcast, guys. <laughs> Let's do it. So, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> our podcast is about entrepreneurs and now we are discussing Indian food here which is amazing for a change so Johnny we don't have so much time left now please give our listeners the aspiring entrepreneurs one piece of advice to become successful how can they escape burnout how can they stay productive if you can club them together good otherwise two pieces of advice (laughs) yeah I think enjoyment and productivity are intertwined because when you're productive you enjoy it don't you Right. And if you can enjoy your business, you're probably motivated to, to be productive as well. So they they are kind of coming from the same point. And, and that point is clarity. If you start a business with a lack of clarity over what it is you're really doing, you know, what's the big transformational benefit you bring to the world? Mm-hmm. And if you try and start a business with a lack of clarity over who you serve, who is your ideal client, who's your tribe, if you haven't got those things clear, then you're suffering with what I call the vagueness virus. And I apologize for using the virus word in this, in this uh, crazy global disaster <laughs> that we're suffering at the moment. But I, in my defense, I did invent this a couple of years ago. Um, the, the vagueness virus is how you feel when you have no certainty over what it is you do. You have no clarity over who you're serving, over who you're speaking to. You have no clarity over the next thing you're going to say in social media, post, you know, what are you going to say on a live video? And above all, you have no clarity over the big transformational benefit that you bring to the world. And without that clarity, you're suffering with a vagueness virus and you will be unproductive and you, you, you won't get anywhere and you won't enjoy it. So get those things right first, you know, what it is you do and, and who it's for. And if you can nail those two things and take them out into the world, you've got a much better chance of succeeding. Right. So... so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yes. I want to ask something else after this. Do you think mm-hmm. why is also equally important? Finding who and what your message is, but why do you want to do it? Like if, if there's no um, authenticity. Yes. I, I, I actually think that's a bit of internal work be, before you start mm-hmm. getting down to the nuts and bolts of what you do and, and who it's for. I think if you haven't understood why you're doing it by that point, then, then you're definitely barking up the wrong tree. But 
finding your why isn't everything. And mm. that, that wonderful speaker, Simon Sinek, yes, who did that yeah, yeah. legendary TED talk, you know, that became a global phenomenon, uh, has life. made him millions. I think it's a bit overblown. I think if you just focus on that and think that's the most important thing, then you're still you're still capable of suffering with the with the vagueness virus. You've got to work out, you know, the, the, what what you do very very concisely and and you know pick, pick a client avatar very concisely. That's that to me is the more important work. And in doing that, I think you discover your why anyway. You know, and for most people, the why is certainly in 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 my profession, which is you know the the change profession. I guess to use a horrible cliche, you know, <laughs> coaches, trainers, therapists, consultants we're all changing our clients in some way or other, aren't we? Um, the, the why is, is usually that we want to have an impact on the world. You know, want to leave a dent in the universe, want to help people. That's the why, isn't it? That, it's a good change. That, that, you want to give goes saying, health, it? happiness. You know, it's a good change. Yeah. Not a bad change. Yeah. Amazing. It, so, it really is. Yeah. So Johnny, tell our listeners where can they find you? Well, I'm going to make this really, really simple. Um, if you didn't... Uh, Pick it up already. I'll repeat it. So my business is called Johnny Hates Marketing. <laughs> That's jo- oh, no, no, it without the H, G-O-N-N-Y. And if you just go to Facebook, I would love you to type in Johnny Hates Marketing in the search. And the number one result, of course, is my Facebook group. Uh, there's no competition for that term. There's no <laughs> Aaron Hates Marketing or Dave Hates Marketing. It's all Johnny Hates Marketing. So just uh, just join the group and we'll see you over there. That's where the party uh, is happening. There's about 4,300 members in there and growing. So After hating the marketing, there. people can have success party. We'll have a success. I'm not resurrected, you know. I've, I've after hating the marketing, after hating the, the marketing, com. you can successfully, you know, you can have your success party. Do you know what I really see? See, um, you can maybe help me with this, KK. That the success party is actually a massive summit, international summit in Dubai, in a swanky hotel, right? or maybe in, maybe in Singapore, something like that. So you can do the work on the ground and we'll, we'll get all the people there and we'll, we'll have a, a global success party. We'll do it, do it once a year. How about that? Amazing. I want to, definitely. Deal. I want to do it too. Especially all the therapists, but not in Singapore. Maybe a Bali or, you know, more Bali, let's do it natural Bali. place. Yeah, natural places. You know? we'll go, not in concrete. We'll go up a mountain. <laughs> not in concrete we'll world. <laughs> we'll go up a mountain in Bali then. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. It was amazing talking to you, Johnny. I'm going to put your um, details in the show notes, show description. description. So anybody who wants to get in touch with you can easily find the links. And uh, it's amazing uh, to all our listeners. uh, Johnny is uh, an amazing coach. He's very calm. He's not someone who's pushing you. And if you really hate marketing, but you still want to be successful, Johnny's the guy to get in touch with. So I'm your man. <laughs> yes, he is. Awesome, Johnny. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks, KK. My pleasure. See you all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know, fragrance remains in the hands that gives rose. Would you please share this episode with your entrepreneur friends? So we can help each other escape burnout, increase productivity, and achieve our goals faster. Also, let me know what topics you want me to cover in our future episodes at 
info at bodymindsolution.com. Would you please take a moment to rate and review this show? That would mean the world to me. And yes, don't forget to subscribe. This is your host, KK. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.